Hi, welcome to another Cat Space session. It is Thursday night. I'm Kat, this is Buckets, and always with us is our amazing dear friend, Leon. Good evening, how are you? I'm in a robe, so I know what it feels like to be living the posh life. <laughs> no, no, no. I had a kid, and I am wearing a robe because it's pretty cold outside. It's been pretty cold all week. Well, it's been cold, cold today and yesterday, that's for sure. I love the cold. So tonight we are doing something everyone has been asking for and you guys have been asking me to do is to research and look up some fun topics instead of some serious, you know, tense, stressful topics. So I've come up with a really, really fun, I think Leon, you will sink your teeth into as well as buckets. Tonight's topic is all about 80s technology. So the 80s, of course, was an interesting period, era, uh, time frame. I was born at the end of 81, so I don't remember much of technology, but as I grew up, I did. So the first uh, the first point I have is, before the question is, if you remember in 1984, the late, great Steve Jobs released Macintosh. Uh, first question is, what computer and brand did you have in your home and were you obsessed uh, with using it? Um, computers or are we talking yeah about... like computers computers okay you well, know the the gangly ones the big box ones okay so in in my family my father was a scientist right and as because he was a scientist they actually gave him um a really small mac it was probably, i think it was the first original mac the one where it didn't actually have um an ip address on it and he was given one of those um, but then again, no one had really had the internet back then. Um, so, um, you know, it was good in the sense that you could do programming stuff and whatever, but it had no games on it. So I guess I wasn't really as obsessed until we got a Commodore 64. And that thing was cool because we had all sorts of games on it and you could um, you could basically um, hook up um, your own triggers and stuff like that. And I remember when we had Rambo on that and a friend of ours lent us the, the, the trigger thing. And I, you know, was gunning so hard on that thing that I actually broke the trigger. So, but we, I had a lot of fun on the Commodore 64. That thing was, that was sick. I love that. Yeah, I agree. We had a um, Commodore 64 in our family and we just absolutely loved it. We could play like all these computer games within, you know, you could just basically go on um, DOS and whatnot and you know, put the floppy disks in and just enjoy yourselves playing like the computer games and learning and whatnot. I think that was a really, really cool one. I, I'm, I mean, I would have loved to have had the Macintosh because you could do so much more with it, but Commodore 64 was ours. What about you? Oh, definitely, man. I had a Commodore 64 myself. Uh, <clears throat> what I used to do, right? obviously you talked about the floppy disks and also the cartridges as well. Yeah. Plugged them into the back of the Commodore. But I think one of the first cartridge games I had from the Commodore 64, I think I might've been international soccer or something like that, but the goalie was so poorly designed. It's so backwards. It doesn't, it didn't adapt to anything. So if you ever, here's a little hint for you guys out there who never played the international soccer game on the cartridge, right? If you ever went down to the bottom of the bottom of the, um, of the ground and you got to where you were close to being in line with the goalie, just sneak past the goalie and just aim upwards and just kick the ball and you get a goal every time. I've flogged those guys about a hundred points to nil every freaking time. That was probably one of the first cartridge games I think I'd ever had on the um, 
Commodore 64, but definitely the Commodore 64 was probably one of the earliest, uh, um, uh, one of the earliest uh, uh, computer systems I ever had. And also the old Atari 2600. Now that is the early model. So that was the early brown model uh, from around nine, I think it was maybe nine, I think it was around about 1982 or something like that. But anyway, I was using that one. I was using that, um, using that one as a kid. And then I went to the, what, the 7600 or something like that, which was a smaller model. If, uh, sorry, the Atari, I think it might have been the Atari 5200, I think, or something along those lines. But anyway, you get the point. Speaking of Atari, you brought up a really good point, which is, I was going to make it my last question, but anyway, uh, Atari as a child, did, did you spend hours playing Atari and what games did you spend hours playing? I think for me, it was uh, Space Invaders and it was, um, uh, what did we have? Space Invaders. It sounds like a ping pong game. That was called Pong. Yeah, Pong. And, yeah, I think uh, it was called Pong. What about Pac-Man? And Pac-Man. And FYI, for those who don't remember Atari or those who do, did you know that Steve Jobs actually did the, I think, colored version of Atari? Well, I actually... He worked for the company or something. He worked I, for a company that okay. he, he did it in, what, nine, 90 days, 60 days? Well, okay, so the story goes, right, is that Steve Jobs... Um, basically created um, a computer uh, program or uh, using Atari software. And he tried to sell um, what we now know as the, um, the first original Apple to Atari. And he said, look, I've got um, a computer. I want to sell you this computer. Everyone's just going to love it. Please buy it. And they didn't take him seriously. And they said, this is boring. No one's going to like it. Um, we're not going to buy this. And then he begged them. And then he said, look, we're using Atari technology. It, we're using all, um, you know, the stuff that, that you put in your own game co consoles, um, you know, like the Megs and the gigs and things. Well, they didn't have gigs back then, but they had Megs. Um, uh, that for this, um, you know, computer, why can't you just base can can you can you just employ us instead instead of us um, being a business partner? And Atari said no again and said no way this isn't going to work. Um, so uh, it was basically a kick in the bum when uh, Macintosh basically uh, outlived Atari, um, and then Atari pretty much went bankrupt because. They, they couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't, they didn't have the vision um, to take Steve Jobs' idea. And then they just started their own company. And but that's, that was, that's sure. what happened. But the thing is, how fun was the time it had it on joystick? You could just plug it in, set it to the TV. And then for hours, you could just play Space Invaders and Pong till your eyes got tired. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to stop playing this and go to bed. And then in the morning, you'd wake up on the weekends. And it was Atari time. There's nothing else. We didn't have social media at the time. We didn't have internet. We had Atari. Well, I, I think yeah, the, the reason why the reason why I the reason why I used the Atari back then was to help my hand-eye coordination because I had no hand-eye coordination until I started playing those games. You know, because that way it gave me the sense to where things were going to go. Because I think there was a, I don't know, I can't remember the game itself, but it was one of those ones where you hit a brick, where you bounced a bounced a guy off, uh, off the you know the seesaw thing, 
and he hit a brick and he went down, it was up to you to figure out where he was going to land. See, that was the hand-eye coordination thing that I was talking about. Um, but I, like I said, I can't remember the game, but um, that was the way that I learned how to use my hand-eye coordination is because of that. Those kind of games from the Atari and also played like Joust and all that sort of stuff. Space Invaders, as you said, but then again, obviously my all-time favorite would have been on would have been Pac-Man for absolute sure because I always have a spot soft spot for Pac-Man because that was yeah you know, I I completed so many levels up there eventually it got too fast for me. Well, what about I, you, Bacchus? Did you ever play for hours? Um, yeah, you know what? My family had an Atari and they had um, let's see back then you couldn't get um, Star Wars on. Um, one cartridge you had to get each um, Star Wars set um, but um, they were really smart so they got pretty much the best scenes from um, Star Wars you don't need to push my back thanks um, they got pretty much the, the best um, scenes from Star Wars um, and so they got things like um, like the the bit from um, a new hope where they blew up the death star and then they got um the uh, bit where they're basically shooting up all the 8080s from empire and then they got um i think i can't remember what the um the return of the jedi version was because i never actually got that one um but they were really smart in the way that they they particularly picked scenes that were action scenes that everyone loved kind of thing and but I think my favorite game out of all of them was Ghostbusters. I, I and uh, the Ghostbusters game that they actually made that came out on Atari that was cool and I loved it and I played it for hours. And that I, came I, out on the Atari. You're kidding! I didn't even have. I don't know if I had that one on the Atari, that, but that, I know I had that on the Commodore. I think I had that on the Commodore sixty four. And um, but one thing I remember about it was Winston was blue instead of black for some nah. um but yeah it, it was they actually had it on a few cartridges it wasn't just atari they had it on they had it on um nintendo as well i don't think they had it on sega um but i do i do actually remember playing that off atari and it was fantastic but there was another one that was great that i remember and that was superman and superman was Awesome. I love changing from um, Clark Kent um, back into Superman by going into um, a telephone booth. That was cool. Okay. And I think I used to have that one. Yeah, that was, that was a great game. I, I, I have great memories of that. And I just remember you just playing with my brothers and stuff like that with that game. And oh, it's just, it's just, just brings back so much nostalgia. You know, I wish I could just go back to it and get my Atari back. Unfortunately, I don't well, technically you can, right? That technically you can. Now there is ways that you can actually do it. Some, I think, if I'm right, you know, places like maybe EB Games or, or in some cases maybe JB Hi-Fi, even JCar, they do sell emulators, uh, like legit emulators and stuff like that, would actually have games built into it. Um, I'm not sure if I'm not exactly 100% sure if it's the Atari one though, but I know they can do that with uh, like the old Commodore 60. You can you get these online as well for your PC. You can look for uh, Atari emulators, PlayStation emulators, Commodore 64 emulators. 
you can find a lot of these online and you can actually get them so you can actually play them on your old on your newer computers you know just for just for the lols now obviously nowadays in this modern technology we have things like playstation 2 3 4 5 let me take you back a couple of decades let me take you back to 1985 let's go on a journey shall we 1985 the nintendo entertainment system was born uh did you own a nintendo entertainment system and would you say it's quite similar to the ps3 or the ps4 the ps5 of this generation but was it the original playstation before playstation if you catch my drift uh look um okay so you had the nintendo entertainment system um but yeah i take it you're not talking about the super you're not talking about a snes no, not the Super Nintendo. I'm talking about the first 1985. Ah, okay. Well, let's see. I didn't have one of those. I had a Sega instead. Um, for some reason, I had a Sega Master System. We'll talk about that then. Okay. So, yeah, we had a Sega Master System. Um, I just remember when I had a Sega Master System, and that was awesome. I found that they actually had more variety than um, the better quality one, which I think was... It had another name. It was Sega something, but it didn't have as Sega much. Sega Mega System. Yeah, there, there we go. The Sega, Me- Sega Mega Drive. Oh, there we go, yeah. Um, so they had a Sega Mega Drive, um, and that was supposed to be better quality and had better stuff, but they didn't have the variety, apparently. So the Sega Master System had more variety. Um, but I just remember the kids going, oh, you know, you know, we want Nintendo because Nintendo's better. But you know what? I... I played um, um, Sonic the Hedgehog all day long, and I used to play Alex Kid all the time. And to be perfectly honest, I thought Alex Kid and Sonic the Hedgehog was actually better than Super Mario Brothers. To be perfectly honest, for me, it was the Nintendo Entertainment System. And as you said, we had Sonic the Hedgehog. We also had Pac-Man. We also had um, Alex Mario Kid. Brothers, the original Mario Brothers. But that was from Nintendo. That wasn't. Yeah, but Nintendo Entertainment System came out. You know those big block of games that you'd stick in the middle. Yeah. And you could play those games. One of one of them for us was Super Mario Brothers, and that theme music still resonates in my head. Yeah. Yeah. So it was for, for us, it was really really fun. Pac Man. We had Sonic the Hedgehog, and sort of like those. Wouldn't you reminisce about going? God, if only we could have those now. Well, my uh, my cousin actually he had um, an original uh, Nintendo Entertainment System, and um, he had um, oh, what's the like? Not he, he had actually Donkey Kong. And that game was awesome. I really liked Donkey Kong. And my my brother, actually, you could get all this stuff in Hong Kong before it even reached the shores of Australia. And they had like a, uh, they had Donkey Kong uh, packs, right, that you could actually play as if they were like the before the original Game Boy. Um, and you'd open it up and it's like a case and you play them and, and they were quite, quite cool um 
So we used to play that all day and all it really needed was lots and lots of batteries. And <laughs> all night. Well, um, you, you, you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned uh, Super Mario Brothers, you mentioned Donkey Kong, just for the, just for the historians out there, right? It was Donkey Kong that started the Super Mario Brothers because it was Donkey Kong on the top and it was Mario at the bottom trying to get his way up to the uh, up to the top oh, to save Peach, and there was a that was and that that's and that and then from there because of how successful it was, that's how it got to the Mario Brothers. I didn't even know. And that. also there was and also there was a ripoff of the Super Mario Brothers on the Commodore sixty four called the Great Gina Sisters. Now this was a base. This was a complete ripoff of the Mario Brothers, but dressed up as women. So. Yeah, that's a little bit of a historical uh, feature for you right there from the Commodore 64 days and also the Nintendo days because it was the Nintendo that brought along Donkey Kong. Nintendo brought along Super Mario Brothers as well. Like the Atari brought along Pong, Space Invaders, Pac-Man. So there are legacy games out there which you can remember because of these games, uh, there's games that stick out in the top of your head, like you, the Mega Drive, like you, oh, the Master System, the Mega Drive that you mentioned there, Buckets. That brought in Alex Kidd. Alex Kidd, in this case, Alex Kidd Miracle Wall or something like that, one of those. Yeah, ones, so anyway. the, the biggest problem with Alex Kidd, right, is that there was something like, I think, six Alex Kidd um, games. and That sounds about right. Um, before Alex Kidd in, in Wonderworld, right? Um, or something along those lines. And they were terrible. They were absolutely terrible. So they were, they were games that, that, that weren't, they're really just like uh, more like um, choose your own adventure games than, um, uh, or maze games where you find things and pick things up and whatever. And there was this, there was basically this one bit where it actually says, do you wish to pick up the, um, the samurai um, costume, right? And you pick up the samurai costume and you put it on and it literally says, as quote, um, uh, Alex Kidd has put on the uh, samurai costume and plays, uh, with, um, plays with the samurai costume for the rest of the, um, the episode and completely forgets about the mission at hand and you die because of that because he's <laughs> because he's a bit of easter eggs and stuff like yeah, that like, i like used that. to have the old i used to have the old alice kid death music you know do 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 yeah but uh, you talk about under you talk about under you talk about underestimated games like obviously alex kid had a bunch of them right alice kid did have a bunch of those um bunch of those games yeah but, i just yeah. want to go just want to quickly call back a second for some couple of under under estimated games on those other systems like wonder boy do you remember that, that one yes i do i loved wonder boy wonder boy was I, awesome i think i'd mastered that one also wonder boy and monster land as well that was my other absolute favorite like and also also pack land as well so that was another one Oh my god! I don't even know these games, and you're educated. There's another one for you. Pac Pac Mania was a 3D version of Pac Man, and it had better music, and had better graphics, and had 3D, and had 3D things. And you were able to jump, and then the ghosts were able to jump eventually. So that's what made it difficult. That's what made that's what made uh, Pac Mania harder because 
they gave it the they gave Pac-Man the ability to jump, and for some reason they gave the ghosts the ability to jump. When they're freaking ghosts, when all they had to do is just raise themselves up a bit, and they could have just taken Pac-Man out to dinner. But anyway. I honestly did not. I didn't even know these games existed, and I'm learning something. Speaking of buckets, the- and I are nerds when it comes to these kind of games. That's for sure, isn't that right, buckets? I prefer to call myself a connoisseur. <laughs> isn't that another word for nerd? Yes, I'll call. I'll proudly call myself a nerd because, quite frankly, I am because I know all these games. Um, yeah. So, but like I said, Pac-Man. There were so many good Pac-Man ones. Obviously, Pac-Man, Pac-Land, also Pac-Mania as well. Three versions of that. That used to be in. They used to be a coin-operated game as well. Pac-Mania, if I remember right. I actually, I do remember Miss Miss Pac-Man. Miss Pac-Man, yes. That that was actually more valued than um, Pac-Man, even though it was a girl, because the, what they tried to do and very successfully was because everyone knew Pac-Man, right? But um, the the maps were repetitive, so everyone knew the map, so they could corner it and win it and whatever. And so Mrs. Pac-Man was better because Mrs. Pac-Man actually had more maps, and it turned it into a two-player. Um, and so uh, a lot of the time, uh, what people tried to do when they tried to sell arcade games um, to manufacturers was they would actually remove the um, outside of it. Um, and then call it Mrs. Pac-Man so they could actually sell it for more than um, just normal Pac-Man. And it also appealed to girls because um, it, it was like, oh, well, here's a video game for you that's basically almost the same as Pac-Man but better than Pac-Man. And so instantly they actually doubled their income um, in the arcade um uh, with those arcade games purely because... And it also broke the gender mold as well because it, it was the is, first of those games that broke that kind of mold because there wasn't those... There wasn't those mold... There wasn't that mold that before until Mrs. Pac-Man, uh, which is the spin-off of Pac-Man. And then you remember the old joke where, like, at night time when Mrs. Pac-Man would come home from work, take the mascara off, and it was really Pac-Man but dressed as a woman? oh yes the old dorkley skits right there thank you very much dorkley.com actually i don't know know if they're still around but they did a lot of parodies on those games do do you know actually how know how pac-man actually started um how they actually came up with the idea of pac-man so one one day so the original um creator of pac-man who was a japanese person which i can't remember his name um, basically um, went, was really interested in American culture. And so what he did was he thought to be inspired, he went to um, a pizza parlor. And so he took one slice out from the pizza because he got a cheese Hawaiian pizza, right? And he said, wait a minute, this is, this is basically um, a, this is, we can make this Pac-Man. We can turn this into an actual character because without its um, pizza slice, it's got a mouth, it's got eyes, um, it's cheesy, which means it's yellow. And then hey, from there, yeah, they, yeah. that's how they created Pac-Man. And it became Did they a take world- two slices or one slice out of that pizza they, to they make took Pac-Man? One slice and one then, slice. Yeah, and then they maybe they they probably ate the rest of the pizza out of celebration. <laughs> but next thing you know, they'll be walking. Next thing you know, they'll be walking out the door going waka 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 waka. Yeah. 
So that's think, what I did it. Okay, so we said the Nintendo Entertainment System was 1985. Let's transport four years forward to 1989 when the uh, Game Boy was introduced, which is the, of course, a smaller version of Nintendo uh, system. I think for me, the most iconic game I spent hours playing was Tetris. And yeah. it was just like hours after hours. And then your battery would die and you'd have to get like another double A batteries. And then yeah. like you'd have to recharge the game when you got home into the plug it in and you have to recharge the game. And once it's full, you start up again. It's sort of like, and you put the batteries into the, the game. I'm never going to break my high score this way. Yeah. And it's sort of like mind boggling. I actually, I, I broke the high score and I also broke the, um, the registered score of whatever they had. But I used to hate the fact that my there was no real memory chip in it, so my score would be wiped. Um, but there yeah, is an actual- that that that's an interesting point there. They never had a memory. They never had a memory thing. All I had was the batteries, and I hope to God the batteries didn't run out. Yeah, but um, I think the cartridge itself was pretty much the memory chip. But once you took it out, that's it. Yeah, you couldn't play it. Yeah, yeah, that's um, it. Once you took once you took the cartridge out, you couldn't play the game because the game was already out of the out of the uh, Game Boy. But I, I'm with you guys. I think Tetris, definitely. I definitely played Tetris. I played it on my cousin's uh, Nintendo Game Boy, and I was, and I remember it being fully charged, and when I started to play it, and then when I when it was close to game over because everything was going so fast, and that's what happens with Tetris. The more lines you get, and the higher your score is, the quicker the game goes. It's harder for you to adapt, and my the battery went flat and you couldn't save the, and you couldn't save the high score because there was just no way to do it on the, the old game boys. But I loved the idea that Nintendo had with bringing in the game boy because it was handheld. You could put yeah. in batteries, unlike, unlike the Atari Commodore 64 the, or the uh, NES, the original NES, you couldn't carry them around and put batteries in it because it just wasn't going to work. That's why the game boy came out because it had the display as well as the controller. I like the idea. I loved I loved the Game Boy and I miss it to this day. And I think there might be some places around here in Blacktown where I live, near close to where I live, that might actually still sell some of that old nostalgia stuff like the old Commodore 64 Atari. Maybe they might sell the Game Boy. I'm not sure. I might have to check cash converters or something just to, just for that nostalgia purpose. Well, I, well actually, uh, it's an interesting point where you, you bring up all these 80s type games, right? Because... Uh, if you remember Space Invaders, how that actually came about. So Space oh, yeah. Invaders, they had several versions of that before it was actually Space Invaders. So what they actually did was they needed, purely based on the, the size of the graphics that they could get away with, they wanted to have um, urchins and things like that. So Space Invaders actually used to be a, a sea urchin game or an octopus game that would run across the screen. And if you didn't have enough time to shoot everything, then um, basically you'd lose. But they felt that it wasn't interesting enough. But about that time, Star Wars was just huge. Star Wars was big. Anything to do with space and lasers was was massive. So they basically, instead of um, um, calling them... um, sea creatures what they did instead was they turned the sea creatures into aliens and then they had motherships as um, extra points and that that was an instant sensation and that just took off and 
uh, it got so popular that people actually had competitions to see how quickly um, they could kill things and everything like that. And it was, um, it was, it was, it turned into an Olympic sport, almost an Olympic sport where people were actually winning real money. It was, it was, it, um, it was absolutely amazing. Um, so yeah, that was another good one. But, so, uh, I think they still do that, but with different games these days. Like I think it might be, maybe I think it might be Fortnite or PUBG or whatever it is. There are still tournaments out there where you can actually win money just by playing computer games. I think they're still going. Those kind of things are still going these days. Obviously not for the Atari or the NES or the Game Boy, but I believe there is still some around. Well, uh, the Koreans love them. They're big in Korea, those type of competitions, those type of tournaments. And also the United States are big on them. But I think the the, the number one country for those sort of uh, tournaments is Korea. Um, South Korea are big on those things absolutely huge they love it um and i had a friend of mine and this is actually quite funny um we uh is a friend of mine that went to uni and was studying the same subjects that i was and um he was from south korea and we were drinking we were at the pub drinking alcohol and stuff like that but it was for a uni thing and they're raising money for it and he just went to me and said um do you want to basically start a video game club um, for um, the university? And they just looked at him really, really weird to say, you know what, we're not really into video games all that, that much. We're more into drinking wine and beer and other things. And they basically told him to go jump, basically. Um, but I was just saying, but that's part of his his culture. That that's what he's doing. And to be perfectly honest, playing video games was just way more fun than, um, you know, drinking near a bunch of people that are never going to ask you out. So, <laughs> All right. So uh, you know, but, next question is, let's let's go forward. Okay. So we said the Nintendo Game Boy was 1989. Let's go a few years back further, 1979. A year before 1980, the explosion of the Sony Walkman. Now, the Sony Walkman, I remember having as a little girl, uh, as a child, was very popular with me. Uh, the Sony Walkman was a popular music device. What songs do you remember listening to on your Walkman um, when it comes to music? Did you have stuff like recorded off the radio or did you buy like cassettes like Crowded House or like bands or solo artists and you just like, Right, I'm um, played it and played it and played it. And played it, it was it was kind of both. So um, pirating was ridiculously easy. Not that I'm encouraging pirating because we can't say that. Yes, we can't. you shouldn't. Um, because we don't want to get arrested. Anyway, anyway, I'm going to clear that up. Yeah. Anyway, so um, pirating was so easy back then um, because it just was. And a, you know, I remember my brothers, um, you know, pirated a Tina Turner cassette. And don't hit me like that. Shouldn't be saying um, things like that. Well, it, it was. It was. It's not my fault. It's the technology's fault. Um, and but what used to happen was because it was um, like one of those cassettes that you could just buy from a two dollar shop. Um, you had to keep rewinding it with a pencil. Uh, I love doing that. You know. Uh, you know, old just, school rewinding guys when yeah. when you didn't know what to do how to rewind a tape you always used a pencil so, right. there you go buckets is onto something there that's yeah. shark tank in the 1980s for you continue yeah so i i we, we did lots of 
that. But um, that, yeah, so Tina Turner, we had, um, there was Dire Straits that we had, that was great. Um, Blues Brothers, we loved the, the original Blues Brothers, the actual cassette tape of that, that was, we actually bought that. So we had respect for them, <laughs> um, you know, but um, that, yeah, we had uh, so many cassettes and my, my brothers who were, well, my brother Bernard, who was a, was a muso actually, he's a really talented muso. He could literally play any instrument. Um, he would listen to the the music off the um, off the Walkmans and and stuff, and then he would put that into his own music, just play it, you know, um, you know, just by ear, you know. So that was that was really good. But I remember he does the music the same way I do it. I listen to the bit of music, and then I'm able to play it on a piano or play it on a guitar, and I never know how. I never knew. I never knew how I managed to do that. So he and I are in the same boat there. Go on. Um, but I do remember there was this one time where my younger brother um, basically did this really funny thing, right? So it was about Christmas time and my mum had a Walkman and my mum basically just said, hey, um, has anyone seen my Walkman? Like, I wanted to go exercising with it. I haven't seen it. Has anyone seen it? And so then we all said, no, nah, we haven't seen it. Where have you left it? Did you put it in the kitchen or something? I don't know. Anyway, two months later, this, this Walkman goes missing and, and it, it's like Christmas time, right? And, um, you know, I, I give my mom a present and all my other brothers, they give my mom presents as well. And Edmund's got this really heavy, my younger brother has got this really um, heavy gift. And we're like, where, where the, what has Edmund got? So what he did, he actually... Um, and this is 100% true. He wrapped my mother's Walkman up for Christmas, <laughs> left it under the tree for two months, okay, and just replaced the batteries and then said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> and what we a just went, state, man. Come on, we, you could have come up with a decent present. No, instead of wrap something up that doesn't even belong to him and so, wraps so it up. We, what a we just state. gave him, honestly, we just gave him a clap for ingenuity and just. And, and Evan was just, my brother was just like, um, yeah, I gave you brand new batteries. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and mom was like over the moon because she found a Walkman. Uh, um, so <laughs> I think I used to have a walk. To be honest, I think I used to have one of those CD Walkmans, but I'm obviously it'd be Buckley's chance if I still got it now, it'd be unlikely. But anyway, look, I used to have that and I've still, collect, I've still got like a CD collection of old 90s music because I'll be like Kat, Kat said she was born in 1981. I was born in 1980. So I grew up with listening to the music from the 80s and the 90s. Well, I was, I had one cassette, right? I think, I think maybe one or two cassettes. The first cassette, I think the only cassette I think I ever have, I think I ever got. Would have been around 93, 94. Salt and Pepper and Enbogue's Waterman. I, I oh don't know God, why that stuck cool. out to me. But anyway, I thought that was the only cassette that I ever had of like, you know, music that I bought from the shop because I used to like listen to it on the radio. Obviously, I used to, used to the old, the old uh, blank cassette trick. You know, if you, if you break the, if you break the top of the cassette, you couldn't record on it not necessarily true all you have to do is put some sticky tape on the all you have to do is put some sticky tape on the bloody top of it and then you can go again yeah, i remember that that's the I... old trick there but i used to go like i said i've got a whole bunch of cds the first uh, i said the first 
cassette I had was Salt and Pepper and M Bogues, What a Man. The first CD single, which I've still got in my CD collection over there, Shania Twain, Not In It For Love, I'm Out Of Here. That was the first CD song. single no. I ever bought. No. And I've got that CD still today. And that's about 25 or 27 years old now. I love that song. I mean, I remember... I remember having a bunch of empty cassettes and listening to at the time, which was very popular, which is 104.1, plug, plug, 104.1 Town with Labby, Labrat. And they had all this music and you'd get it into the boom box and into the cassette deck because you had two sides, you had A and B side by side and you put both cassettes. So you'd be waiting, you'd rewind them and just wait because remember listening to the radio, like, oh, I like that song, I like that song. And you'd have to, call up and request that song because they had competitions going and then he'd bring up request the song which I remember doing a thousand times <laughs> and I just press record on my cassette and then plug it into the put it into the walkman and the way I went singing and dancing and jumping around and <laughs> yeah those times those times were great I uh, actually I even remember when I uh, do you remember um when um cd walkmans came out oh yeah yeah cd players well not cd they were cd players but they were cd walkmans and they were like, I think oh, you're right. I think they were called City Walkmans. I think so. Um, I think that's right. So, um, but I remember when the Sony ones came out, um, that they actually allowed you to play CDs backwards. So you could actually hear the backmasking lyrics. And um, also the anti Semitic messages in the background playing when yeah. you played a CD backwards. Yeah. And, and so I, 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 I had this friend of mine that would do this all the time and they would just, talk gibberish as if it was like real words that was speaking and like I'm like you don't know what you're talking about I think my city, I <laughs> you're think not speaking English that's Walkman. Dutch or something that's not English the city walkman <laughs> the city walkman was it the round one or was it the cassette that one? was the round one it was the round one the city walkman was the round one yeah I remember city walkman or city play at the time I remember the CDs I had listening to it was Christina Aguilera what a girl once and the Bastard Boys and I had um, all I have to give, I had Backstreet's back and I had this compilation from Germany that they did an interview. And I remember being obsessed listening to Christina Aguilera and the Backstreet Boys on that. Hey, if you guys talk for a couple of minutes, right, I might be able to go through my CD collection because I think I'm pretty certain I've got those Backstreet Boys CDs oh, here I, as I well. Have, I have them. I don't know where they've gone to. I might have nah. to well, I, I actually remember getting, um, there was two CDs that I got for the first time and there were singles. And uh, one of them was- an I think they were known as CD singles, if my memory's right. Yeah. And- um, That sounds about right. And one of them was um, an Armageddon one from Aerosmith that was- I don't want to miss a I thing. I don't want to miss a thing. I don't want to miss a thing. That was the first I one. I love Stephen Tyler. And the second <laughs> one was um, uh, New York Connection. I believe. And that I couldn't play them. I wanted them. I wanted to hear them and I couldn't play them. And um, I needed my brother to basically pirate them in order for me to actually listen to them. So even though I, I bought the CDs from the CD store legally, I had to, again, pirate them just to basically Can listen to them. Can you not say that? Um, You're going to get yourself in such trouble. Well, I, I mean, it's the only way. picture it now, the Fed's going to start knocking on your door. Is buckets here? No, just Philip. Okay, my mistake. Okay, Move well, along. If the Feds do come at, come here, I would be honoured that they'd make the trip to my unknown house. Yeah, but I don't think you should be saying <laughs> that on a podcast. 
Anyway. Pirating is wrong, kids. Don't don't do pirating. Don't do drugs either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't do yeah, don't do pirates because oh they'll make you walk the plank. You'll get scurvy. You'll get scurvy. Hey, <laughs> there you go. That's Can I ask a rando question if you guys don't mind? Since we're going back to nostalgia, where VH VHS uh video recorders and VHS tapes part of the 80s technology or was that later in the 90s? Can I say that again? Was the VHS video recorders and the video, video cassettes themselves, were they 80s or 90s products? Um, I believe, okay, so VHS itself, I believe that we might have been late 80s. Um, possibly 80s, but early 70s. I could be wrong. It might be 1979. I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the 80s. I do know that there were two brands of videotape at that time. And one was Beta, which was, was good, but um, no one could afford Beta. So they didn't, it didn't, wasn't really successful. Um, and then you had VHS, which was poorer quality, but everyone could afford it. So they bought the cheaper one instead. Again, I think my- And just, and just for the record guys, VHS tapes and stuff like that with 1976, believe that or not. That's incredible. I didn't think they were going back that far back, but yeah, they were 1976. I'm looking at, I'm looking for beta tapes just now because we used to have a VHS recorder. We used to have a beta tape player as well. It's a video, a beta yeah. tape recorder. Now, beta tapes, but just before that, just before that, beta tapes originally came out in, what is it, 19, I think it's Betamax, that, that they were called Betamax, so they came out of roughly 1975, so, uh, and then it went from beta to VHS, so there you go. But do you remember as kids, um, our parents taking us on holidays and with the big gangly you know, camera recorder thing and it had the little cassette on it. And then you'd have to come home and charge the uh, video a video thing, uh, video camera, and then you have to plug it to the TV. And from the TV, you'd plug the VHS. I used to have one and I used to have a mini tape recorder as well. I took it with me to England. I don't even know where it's gone, but anyway, look. Um, but yeah, I used to, I took one too. I took one with me to England, you know, where I was looking around. I was, I was there with the little camera thing. Because Pink and I was so cool having the mini <laughs> bloody videotape recorder thingy there. It was so cool. Um, all I was just doing is proving that I was a freaking tourist and an idiot. But um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, look, the point the point is uh, the point is I had one of those. I had one of those cameras. You know, they actually you had to put in the camera. You had to charge it up. You had to plug it in to charge it up. It'll change the batteries. I think it used to be. Um, I think they used to be. What um uh like the double I can't remember the double A's or the whatever whatever they were but um you could charge it the same you could put the batteries in the same way you used to put um batteries in a Game Boy or something if you had the right batteries you could do it that way as well. But did you have one? Buckets? Uh no, I think my dad might have had one, but I could be mistaken. But I just remember those things were like massive and. I really like those things. I think I probably like the cover more than the actual, um, you know, video camera because the thing is, it looked like it could basically fit a semi-automatic in it. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't have I didn't have a huge one. I had like a smaller one where you actually, you actually, it looked like it's really compact. It looks like a half loaf of bread or something like that. But you were able to open it up, and then all of a sudden you could see the little, you know, obviously the screen that where you're going to film and stuff like that 
I oh that blew my mind, man. It was the only it was the only video camera I'd actually ever had. So just a little bit of history for you right there. Speaking of, of cameras, does anyone actually remember the old Polaroid cameras? Yes, I used to have one. So I like, think they still sell them. I think, I think they, they still do too. I, mean, I think you can get them at Officeworks. Fuji films. But where they basically print out your own film. Yeah, you, you can yeah. buy those for, I, for I, children. See, I, I remember when my dad had one of those and he would take pictures everywhere and within five minutes they, they'd turn out yellow. Um, but that's because he didn't shake it enough. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you got to shake it. You really got to shake it. You got to shake it like a Polaroid picture. Shake, rattle, and roll. But yeah, I used to have them. I used to love taking pictures. And you'd basically it'd come out in the film, and you'd have to shake it for the for the image to come out. And it was so cool. I remember having them at like my birthday parties and stuff like that. That was really really cool. Yeah, that they they were cool. And um, you know, I I. Yeah, I, I kind of miss those things. I, I, I should probably go out and buy one. I, I remember, you know, when you would take like hundreds of them and you'd be like years later sit with your friends and you go, oh my God, what were we thinking? What were we wearing? What were we eating and drinking back then? So embarrassing. And you'd look back and go, uh, wow. I don't, you'd be like, what? What was I thinking? <laughs> I, you know what? I With that thing, all I remember is, is good... Um, is just basically good memories from those photographs. I don't really remember any bad memories from the photographs. It's not like today where basically everyone's got a camera on their phone and um, there might be something terrible and it gets becomes viral and um, it's, it's something you regret. Um, yeah, you know, back then when you took pictures, it, you know, it took effort and you only took pictures of good things. And yeah. it was just a happier time, I think. And lastly, boys. Hang on, before before we go that, before we go that, I'm still wanting to stick on the cameras. You know those portable cameras, uh, those portable you know, snap cameras where they would have like 20 or 24 pictures or something like that rolled in the little rolling thing? Yeah. Rolling thing. Um, I would buy one of those, you know, every time that there was a music event going on in my local area. And I would take like 20 something pictures or whatever, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then I would go to the local camera shop, which used to be, well, when I used to go to Mount Druid, obviously I'm picking a Mount Druid nostalgia here, guys. So um, I would get those cameras, do that, those, take those photos. And then when it was done, when the music thing was done, I would go to the, to one of the camera stores, you know, and I would get them to process it and, Boom, there you go. I got some really cool pictures. And let me take you. I'm not sure which what year this was, but since we've got smartphones now, this was the pre-smartphone of all smartphones. If you remember, uh, I wrote it down, was which was the Cas uh, Casio calculator watch, where it would tell you the time, but you could also do calculations on it, if you remember. I actually uh yeah, so I, I actually remember um, the um, Casio uh, calculators. And if you actually um, hacked, there, there was actually a certain code that you could actually put in and you could actually play, um, I think it was uh, not Minesweeper. I, I think it was actually Tetris. Yeah, I think it was Tetris that you could actually play if you actually typed in a certain code. Um, and all the Casio um, calculators at the time had that 
throw thing put in. So that was that was really really cool. I I remember I don't know if I had one, but I remember them vividly. And you know they were sort of cool because you could wear the watch on your hand. And back then, you know, way before you know, I don't know if when we had calculators, but when you didn't have one at hand, you could just go to your watch and you know calculate things and. It was just it was kind of like a like a mini smartwatch before the smartwatch mm. became a smartwatch, if you know what I mean. Like, how did you have a Casio calculator watch? Um, not exactly. I didn't have one. I didn't have one specifically, but I did. I did. There's one thing I did have, and um, it was one of those old uh, calculators. The one that actually had the printer ink and stuff like that in it with a small roll of paper, you know, those are very old versions of those cameras. Uh, sorry, not those cameras, the calculators. You know what I mean? Used to be, I think it used to, used to be able to get them for your businesses and stuff like that. And I also think, if I remember right, they used to have those kind of calculators as rulers as well. You took, you could, took them, you could take them to school. It used to be designed that way. You know, you could actually use a calculator on your ruler. Yes, remember I remember this? that. Yeah, it came with its own um, um, thing. And um, I like there was a, a friend of mine that said, um, can I borrow a ruler? Do you have a ruler? And I said, I don't have a ruler, but I've got a calculator. Do you want that instead? Uh, <laughs> and he, then you let him borrow the ruler with the calculator. You know, and then, it, and then his uh, response uh, to that was, what are you going to offer me an eraser next? <laughs> so, so, but know. I used to have, but I did used to have, I think I used to have a watch that used to be a calculator as well. So, um, but they were really clunky and stuff. They were really fat and clunky if I remember, right? Hmm. Uh, but yeah, they have no business being on your wrist. I actually, I do remember I had a Casio watch. Right, and it was just a pretty basic one, but it could. It, the graphics on it were were really quite cool, and it had if if you wanted to time yourself running, it would have like a little character running, right? And I thought yep. that was cool, and so I just left that thing on because I just wanted to see the graphic of a guy running on my phone whilst in class. Um, and he got a Tamagotchi afterwards. Well, here's the thing, um, my brother. This is the thing. So. Um, my brother um, had all these really, really rich friends that came from rich families and they all had Tamagotchis and stuff. And my brother had a birthday party and my, uh, my friend's brother ac accidentally left his Tamagotchi at um, our house. And my younger brother actually kept the Tamagotchi alive whilst he was gone for three days and then handed it back to him. <laughs> I had a Tamagotchi. Fun to play. Yeah. I had a Tamagotchi. They were fun to play. And lastly, boys, um, with all these nostalgic, nostalgia, 80s equipment, like fun items since we're going back in time again, if we were to, if they were to bring these or reintroduce these out to the modern day and age of time now, imagine the faces of this generation looking at the, you know, the big, wooden box computers and the Nintendo and the calculator and the Game Boy and the Atari and, you know, the, you know, the, the computer release and whatnot. Wonder what this generation, would they be able to go, how did you even use these? Yeah. <laughs> well, but like, we could say like, oh, well, we had a lot of paperweights back in the day. I uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like, 
I don't know. Well, like like I said, there's a lot of things. Um, those thing, those computer thing, um, whether it's a computer console or a computer itself, had um, that the other computers don't. So when it comes to the original Macintosh, that was a, a, a computer that had a modem on it that had no IP address. So it was very easy to hack and not get tracked by the police. Um, and that's why that particular com computer became really, really valued because um, if you, like legally you had to have an IP address, but you installed the IP address yourself, unlike later models where everything's built in. Um, so that those things, they did have their advantages. And even in um, the early um, PlayStation um, uh, consoles, they also had modems on them as well. Um, so, and they also um, were able to accept not just PS, um, you know, PS2 or PS3 games, but they were also able to play movies on them as well. Um, whereas um, some, some of the time, um, like I'll give, give you an example for the Commodore, Commodore 64, for example, um, you know, uh, that could literally take anything if, if you had the right uh, thing. In fact, the Falcon, we didn't talk about the Falcon, the Falcon uh, console. Um, the Atari do, Falcon, right? Yeah, this is the do, Atari Falcon, right? The Atari Falcon could do exactly that. It could literally play any console doesn't matter if it came from Nintendo, Sega, whatever, um, because it, it, as long as you had a Falcon, you could literally play any game off it. And I think that's one of the reasons why they banned it, um, because it could play any console. Um, and you'll never see that ever again, because um, PlayStation want you to play PlayStation games, um, whilst Nintendo want you to play Nintendo games, and so on and so on and so on. They, they only wanted to brand it and, and make a monopoly out of it. So you'll never see a Falcon or a Commodore 64 ever again or anything like a Commodore 64 or a Falcon ever again um, because um, the world has become more greedy. But, um, you know, they, they want to make everything a monopoly. But all I'm saying is, let's try to, uh, I don't want this to be, you know, serious. All I'm saying is imagine bringing out the, all these nostalgic stuff and you said to a child or preteen, or a teenager turn on this 1984 computer. They're not gonna know what button to press. Here, play with this Atari. They'll look at all this, they're gonna go, you guys are ancient. <laughs> How can you, why did you use these? Like, these well, I mean, like, okay, well, I mean, if you look at the example of, um, say, the joystick from Atari, um, uh, that thing was flawed and it even had a funny name. Joystick. The little, the little stick, which was about this high off the ground. You got the little sting you could stick on the ground. You got the little suction cups there. The little joystick controller, which only sticks about this high up, and you got two buttons on the side. Yeah. On the side. I'm sure, this that, give me back, give me that any day regarding the old the game pads and stuff like that. Make that lots of phallic jokes about that, Leon, and and don't pretend like you can't. Um, but. Uh, I never thought of those kind of jokes. Thank you very much. Right. I was too young at the time. You got dirty mind, right? But I'm just lastly saying, let me ask you a question here. I was obsessed with a PC game that I used to put the computer disc into the computer. It was called Test Drive. Do you remember that game? Yep. Test Loved drive. it. I used to. 
Oh, wait, yes, I, I remember that. I, I remember How that game. How fun was that game? <laughs> you can drive as fast as you want on any road, on any level. It was just a bomb, like, it made you feel like you were Don Johnson for a minute. The graphics were crap. The graphics on te- the game Test Drive were crap because basically it was just completely based off the coin-op. The coin-op uh, version of Test Drive was groundbreaking because it was not three. No, there was no car games that were 3D like that before. But when they started bringing that out on the PC, I think it would have been around 1993 or whatever. And you'll be thinking to yourself, uh, when the, when you saw the reviews come in, it was like, God, that's crap. Just like the just like the Teenage Ninja Turtles that came out in the, I think it was the Commodore 64 or the PC or one of those two. The original one was absolute crap. It was a dumpster fire because if you ever if you ever got to the um, if you ever got to the dam, you might as well just elf yourself because you'd never get past that level. It was that bad. That's why the second version came out, which was the version of the coin op one that came. That you remember the coin operation, the coin op version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, actually, yes, I, I know. I do. Yeah. Actually, you needed four players to play it. And yeah, you could play. You could play up to four players. Yeah, yeah but that like, was the second version of it because the original version of it was just RS backwards. You could not play it, and even if you did, you needed a code book at a certain point because it will ask you for a set code. So it's basically like two factor is what it is now known as. And if you didn't have that, you couldn't get past anywhere. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to go past a certain point. That's another actually, thing. That, I actually, I, I did actually own a game um, that came with a card kind of thing. And it was a silver card that had different colors on it. And it was a really fun game because it was like a spy game. I can't remember the name of it. It's a really good game. Um, and the, the card was about this big, if you can just imagine it. And it was, yeah, there we go. That big. Um, yeah, I can see it. Like, uh, it was kind of a silver thing and it had different colors on it, but you needed the card to play the game or it wouldn't let you play the game. And so you either had to basically, if you lost the card, you were stuffed. So you had to basically yeah. uh, either guess the color that they're talking about because the whole thing's in black and white um, <laughs> and, or, or just try and write it on a piece of paper and remember it next time. Um, but that was the way that they stopped pirating. So the only way that you could play the game is if you bought the game and you own that card. Um, but it was, it was a, but I could never get past the first level because I always got arrested every time. Because <laughs> you, you basically had to create a, a passport in the toilets and then get past customs. And I could, I could never do it because I, I never had the right passport. <laughs> But let no me idea. ask. Let me ask. Uh, first of all, uh, before we finish this up, I want to say welcome to our new subscribers, current subscribers of yours. Let me put this to them. Eighties nostalgia from everything that we mentioned here. What was what was your eighties nostalgia? Was it the uh, Nintendo? Was it the Sega Mega System? Uh, was it the iMac? Was it the IBM? Was it the Commodore? Uh, was it the Game Boy? Let us know what your preferred choice of 80s nostalgia and what memories do you have with that and what was it like in your time we would love to hear your comments um, below in our comment section don't forget to subscribe and hit that notification bell as well but i'll tell you what there would be one thing there would be one thing that i would want to see done like maybe i don't know whether or not i could possibly do it here try to get all those uh 
consoles that we used as kids or whatever, or at least emulating versions of them, newer versions of them, put them in like a little, like a display case or something like that and have them all ready to go lined up on my computer or stuff like that. Just to, just to say if like kids, say if the nieces ask you, what kind of games did you play when you were kids? And all of a sudden I bring up the Atari games and they're going, oh, this, this is what you used to play. It was, it was, but I would also like to get all those consoles and stuff like that, you know, just, just for nostalgia purposes. That's what I tried to get something like that from my brother, but um, I couldn't find one at the time, but that's something I might have to look into now just to, just to get the, just for my own self benefit, just for my own self gratification. Actually, one game I, I know we're just wrapping up, but one game I actually remember, which I know that no one will ever do ever again, was Double Dragon. And, oh, yes. I played that all the time. And I know one of the, the things I actually remember about Double Dragon is if you wanted to play single player instead of double player, um, you actually had to kill the other player and then just continue to walk on. Otherwise, the screen would be stuck and you couldn't go anywhere and you'd have to restart it or whatever. So that's one thing I know um, designers or program designers will never, ever, ever do again. But at that, it showed how violent people could actually be, the fact that you'd have to kill the other player just to get to the other um, levels kind of thing. So yeah, but that that's, is, that's that... actually one thing I actually remember. I think that happened right at the very end of the game, if I remember correctly. If there was two players left over at the end of the game, then both of them would duke it out for the woman, for the for the lady at the end. If I remember the game right. Uh, well, it it depends what you wanted. I mean, that might have happened at the end. I I didn't survive <laughs> to see that. I did, so I know. <laughs> but I know I had to beat up um, uh, player number two just to do it by myself. I, I probably needed a player number two to help me out, to be perfectly honest. So I once you got once you got far. the whip, once you got the whip, you were set, man. Once you got the whip, it was easy. But if you but if you didn't get the whip, you would have to rely on your own fists or a baseball bat. Yeah. Yeah, but what, like I said, once you got the whip, it was easy. So, so if, if anything, if any of you kids can just remember that we, we had to go through, we had to destroy our number two to become number one. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyways, last words. Um, last last thought. Last thought. Last words is, is is totally a double dragon thing to say. <laughs> start. Uh, but last thoughts. Um, you know, I, I remember the old uh, the games and um, it'd be good if I could play them all again. Um, I do like the progression of the games, but I not, you know, nothing's quite like the old games. Leon? All right, so I'll go back one more time on a nostalgia trip. But the old Commodore 64 was probably my favourite console. And I think the last game i think one of the last ever games to be made on the commodore 64 was a game called mayhem in Monsterland. now if i remember right the commodore 64 magazine it was the only game in commodore 64 history to ever rate a perfect score and if you ever got that game and you ever played that game on an emulator you will know why because no what it there was no game on the commodore 64 that had the graphics the same way that this one did uh, mayhem in Monsterland. So there's there's one for you, uh, cat and also buckets. If you ever found the Commodore 64 emulator or something like that, 
why mayhem in Monsterland? Because it's because you will know how good it actually was because no other game had the graphics or the gameplay like that did for the Commodore 64. And it was the last game ever released on the Commodore 64. My last thoughts, are, I agree with you. Commodore 64 was my ideal uh, computer console. I loved everything about it. Loved Test Drive, loved the Game Boy, loved Tetris. Let us know in the comments below. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell. This way you can get all our comments uh, or content, sorry. Invite all your friends and family and uh, let us know what you think. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We look forward to having you with us next week as we go on another wild adventure. And we'll see you this time, same time next week. Bye, Buckets. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone.